0: Okay. Um, my name is Daniel Rosenfly and we are here on um, Shiva. This is uh, May 6th, right? This is May? May 6th, 2020. Um, anyway, I'm uh, happy to be here, be giving this uh, series, uh, which I think is very important, ah. on uh and mental health. I think uh, some, or, you know, many of you have followed me. on. Um, Facebook through this uh, journey that I've uh, that I've been on, and I will talk about that a little bit. Um, I would, however, just like to start by saying, and I think many of you know this as well, that uh, you know I lost my uh, Rebbe today, my Rosh Hashiva. Um He, not from um, the Rabinowitz, from Yeshivat Malad and he was a great man. He was. Uh, he was a, um, I mean, he was a giant. Uh, like, I, w- I would use more superlatives, but <laughs> it won't help you. And also, he'd be angry at me. So, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll keep it at that. You know, but I'll say that, uh, you know, all my Torah, you know, and specifically when it comes to Tzach, um, you know, it's from him. And uh, I sat with him for many, many hours over the years. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I, I uh, merited 20 years in his presence. Uh, of course, not uh, all the time, on and off. But uh, um, and my my and Zach and everything that I that I learned, um, you know, definitely also came from him. And uh, certainly, when it came to this um, this field of inquiry, which is mental health, uh, uh, the Rav uh, Rabinovich was very supportive of uh, this endeavor and felt that it was extremely important to do. Um uh, so I of course owe him also his support um in this area. Um and uh and all rest in peace and these your, this whole series should also be um you know in his um in his memory. Um okay. Uh, we're gonna as I said we're gonna get to uh, it. If you haven't uh, turned off your uh, microphones, uh, like I said, you probably should do so, if not, I'm turning you off. Um, Okay, fine. Uh, As I said, uh, I started as a community rabbi to look into um, this topic um, about uh, three years ago. Uh, People always ask me, why did you even start looking into this? What was the reason, what was the impetus uh, to do so? And the answer that I give always is, I'm a community rabbi, I get questions uh, from different people. And those questions um, many times involve issues relating to uh, halacha and mental health. Um, And so uh, looking around and trying to find answers uh, to these questions proved extremely uh, complex, you know, and not simple. Um, uh, The reason uh, for this um, is that, um, uh, there's almost nothing written on the subject. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. sorry, I don't know what that sound is. It's gone now. Okay, good. Um, uh, there's almost nothing written. Now, when I say oh, there's almost nothing written on halacha and mental health, I don't want to take away from those who did write on it, right? So, in other words, you know, it's a dangerous statement to make and could also be offensive, you know, if someone did write on the topic and I just mentioned it. So, of course, there are people who have written on mental health. not the first one to think about it, uh, you know, that there's a need to write about halacha and mental health. But, uh, like I said, it's few and far between. And uh, therefore, when you, yeah, you can find an article here and an article there. But generally, uh, it is definitely, um, I would say, um, uh, challenging, you know, to find the answer that you need to different things. And there are certain topics that are more popular, right, like OCD. I'm sure you've seen some discussion about OCD. That's a very, let's call it popular topic amongst can you know, for discussion. So yes, OCD gets some attention. Okay? And uh anorexia gets some attention, surely. But even they, first of all, don't get enough attention. You know, and It certainly doesn't cover everything that needs to be said in those uh, issues. And uh, besides the fact that there are so many other things that don't get attention, okay? There are other eating disorders, you know, besides anorexia. Uh, there are other conditions that make uh, discussion, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's and other things. Um Depression, right? Depression is fairly uh, um uh you know prevalent, and yet uh, how much discussion of depression do we see amongst the postkin? so my answer to that is not enough, okay there's definitely not enough discussion that ha- that happens, so I realized that and decided that something needs to be done, and I started looking into this now, I'm a rabbi, I'm not a mental health professional, and of course that that is you know um uh, a problem <laughs> you can't you can't pass in on these issues if you don't know both fields, right so I can do the halachic work that I also needed to know what the reality is like, and so I went to a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Shmuel Dov Harris, um, and uh, he was willing to sit. He was he's a psychiatrist, licensed psychiatrist, and he was willing to take me and learn once a week. And we did that, you know, once a week for an hour. I used to come and we used to learn. He used to explain things about the profession. I started reading more and more about you know mental disorders and mental illness. And, and you know, what and you know, what it's like and et cetera, et cetera. To try to understand that world from the inside which was obviously something that, you know, needed to be done. And uh slowly but surely I got to understand, you know, what it is that uh, the discussion is about, what it is that needs to be discussed, what it is that you know that needs <coughs> to be um um uh, worked out, handled, right. So all that is basically, you know, what I've been doing for more or less, give or take, three years. This last summer, meaning about a year ago, I started uh, writing. Okay, meaning I had I had learned for two years, I had amassed information and understanding over two years, and I I decided to start writing up those things that I understood. Okay, um, and um, and uh, once I once I started doing after I did that. Uh, I took my work and I started going around to ask different postkin about this. And I, I spoke to many great rabbis. So I can start name-dropping, but I don't see the point right now. Um, perhaps as we go, you know, and there's something that in the name of one of the postkin that I spoke to, you know, so, I, you know, I'll, I'll mention. But, you know, I spoke to many, many uh, significant uh, halakhic deciders in order to, not only in order to you know, get some sort of, you know, like a, a, a critique, but also because it's a new topic and I didn't want to be the sole arbiter on a topic that is new halakhikli. So I really wanted to make sure that there were um, the opinions of others, you know, that I could incorporate, um, uh, you know, within the book. So that, all that is basically the uh, the backstory for everything that we're doing now. After meaning after doing all that, after writing it up, after going and asking uh, uh, great rabbis what they thought about the psakim. Oh, I also went to many mental health professionals and spoke with them about the topics in the book. After doing all that, um, I feel relatively uh, uh, secure in the things that I've written. I hope to publish this as a book, You know, hopefully relatively soon, I don't know exactly when. Um, but uh, yes, I really hope that that will happen sooner rather than later. And I, I know that will bring relief to many, many people, and which is why I, I really see it as, as a, an important thing to be doing, um, and that was it. So that, that's that's my story, more or less. Um, today we're going to discuss um, something that is at the basis of the entire discussion that we're going to have, okay? It may seem a little bit abstract to you, um, and maybe not what some of you signed up for. Uh, we're going to talk about what's called stut, okay, the concept of stut. Um, There will be a lot of practical halacha that we'll discuss, but less today, okay? So if you were looking for practical bottom lines, today's class is not about that, all right? There's gonna be many classes where we talk about a lot of cases and a lot of bottom lines, and we're gonna get to that. But I think that if you wanted just bottom lines, you could just, I guess you could just email me and ask me a question. But I think you wanna know also how we got there. And that's what this this, uh, series is about, okay? It's not just going to give you cases and bottom lines about those cases. It's meant to explain to you how we basically made something from nothing. And once again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, okay? Uh, But the field of mental health is almost, almost non-existent uh, within halacha, meaning it's mentioned everywhere, but not in detail. There's a concept of shtut, of shote, of someone who is... You know, not in complete control of his faculties, uh, which is definitely, definitely appears all over the place in the Mishnah and the Gemara. I'm not claiming I made that up. But the details, the explanation, the interpretation, and how it is uh, applied, certainly with all the modern categories that we have today, that's a journey. That's a journey that we need to take together if, and I want you and I do want you to understand how we get to uh, the results that we get to. Because my goal is not just to pass in and to bring halachic, uh, so to speak, relief to people, but my goal is also to educate and to help people understand what it is that we're doing here and how we're doing it, what it's based on. I don't want people to think, oh, it's just, I decided one day that that should be the halacha, you know, et cetera. No, it's not like that. I decided based on sources, based on my analysis, and I want people to understand that analysis and be educated as to where we get that from and how we're, how we're going about it. Okay, Um, so I'm gonna get straight into the sources, but before I do that, one last word, which is that uh, please keep your microphones off. Um, You know, I've already muted anyone who hasn't had had their microphone off, and I will continue to do so if it opens up by mistake. But the chat, the chat is available for you to use, okay? So I will be looking for the chat at all times, and if there's something that you have a question, please write it in the chat. If there's something that I've said that is unclear, please write it in the chat, and I'm not gonna answer immediately, but every now and then I will look at the chat and, and review the questions and answer everything that you guys um, um, have asked. So please feel free to use that um, and let's get straight to it, okay? There are a lot of sources now in these pages. I think I've attached here seven pages. Yeah, seven pages. So we're not gonna do all of them, um, obviously. Even if they were in English, we wouldn't do all of them. Um, but we are gonna do Quite a few of them, in order to you know get a basic understanding going. As I mentioned, the category of shoteh of someone who is not in complete control of his faculties um, is mentioned in the Mishnah several times. But what is a shoteh? Okay, what does that mean? What were Chazal describing? Now, to be clear, a shoteh is someone who's like a baby from the halachic perspective. Okay, in other words, halachically, this individual, if he is a shote, is simply not able to do anything, all right? That is viable halachically. Meaning he can't be a chazan and be multi- other people, right? He's not chayav. He's not obligated in tefillah or in tizis or tildin or shabbos or anything. A shoteh patur mikol hamicholadi is exempt from all mythos, and everything. Okay, so um, we 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 when we define a shote, right? I think that we can all agree even just without knowing any sources whatsoever. Just like offhand, um, you know, I think we can all agree that it would be uh, ludicrous to say that anyone seeing a psychiatrist or seeing a psychologist who has some sort of mental issue, uh, mental disorder, or even mental illness, is automatically a show That category cannot possibly encompass the complexity of the world of mental health as we know it today. I think we all understand that, once again, intuitively, even without looking at one source. So a shote, right, is, I would say, a relatively extreme uh, version of, uh, extreme expression, I would say, of a mental issue. All right, so that's why the term shote, even though it appears so many times, is simply not sufficient. It's not enough to help us tackle uh, uh, our issue on its own. All right, we need more than that, okay? Um, but fine, so what is stut? That's what we've ask ourselves uh, you know, first and foremost. What is this concept of stut? How do we define it? How do the post can define it? How will we know what it is? All right. Okay. Um let's uh let's start with the first source over here. Um Encyclopedia Hil Khatit source one, okay, which is uh, a very important book um in terms of uh, uh, medicine and halacha. It mostly discusses uh, physical health, but has also uh some a section regarding mental health. Um and it discusses the issue of the definition of should. So let's see what he writes here. Okay? He starts off by saying something general about psychology. Let's see it. Allah Mitya Heset the Matsavim Psychiatri the Ramatif kudit y-chatit vishati. Okay? What this means is that the Allaha Relate to psychiatric the conditions. Sorry, one second. Let me just make sure that all the uh, all our uh, microphones are off once again. Right. Okay. All right. I think we're good. Um, okay. Sorry, I have to move for a second which basically means that the halacha discusses psychiatric issues on a functional, uh, juridic level, okay, and not from a, a medical uh, uh, position. So what does that mean? What it means basically is that halachists are not doctors okay meaning when i as a halachist come to look at a certain situation and to define it right so i'm not a doctor i don't know if this person has um uh depression or bipolar or um or um, um a borderline personality disorder or something else i have no idea i'm not a i'm not a physician right my question when i look at this from a halachic perspective what i'm trying to figure out is what this person can or cannot do Okay? Well, that's called a ramat tifkudit hilchatit mishpatit. Tifkudit, the word tifkudit means functional. What I wanna know, right? when a person comes and says to me, hey, I'm sick, so I say, what do you mean you're sick? Do you have a fever? And they'll say, no. I say, do you have, I don't know, cancer? And no, do you have, I don't know, are you on dialysis? Is there like a problem with some internal organ? Do you have, the, what do you have? What's the problem? Friends, I'm depressed, right? So. What, what does that mean for me on a, from a halachic perspective, right? So many times post and we'll talk about this more at length some other time, will resort to a functional question. Let me ask you this. Does it really matter whether the person can't get out of bed because he's depressed or can't get out of bed because he has a fever? Meaning there's a functional effect that this person is going through that we can see, that we can measure, that we can look at, okay? And therefore, here, once again, uh, we see that the functionality of a person's uh, uh, well being is what matters. And that matters also for the definition of Shote. Okay? So let's see, let's read on here in source one. Okay, I'm going to use the arrow to make sure that everyone knows where I am. Uh, when the halacha discusses the definition of shota, it's talking about symptoms that have a, once again, a, a, a halachic, uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, meaning. All right. And this could happen because of myriad of medical phenomena, um, um, or conditions. So we don't really know why it happens, but it doesn't matter once again, necessarily. All right We're talking about the practical application, the practical meaning of certain things. I'm once again, reading a little bit onwards where the arrow is. <laughs> the rabbis didn't really define psychiatry for its own sake. They didn't try to diagnose Rather, they wanted to know the halachic ramifications of certain conditions and certain um, uh, mental states. Okay, so what comes out of this is what I said at the beginning, meaning what? That the halachic, the functional side of things, is what interested Chazal. They couldn't uh, function as doctors and didn't try to function as doctors. They simply looked at the reality as it is and tried to figure out what it means for the person from a functional perspective. Okay, so today, I just want to explain, because maybe this is obvious to some, but I don't think it's obvious at all. Because I think for for a lot of people, right? We think, oh, well, you you really can't pass them without diagnosing, and so because they all the wisdom that we had today didn't exist back then, you know, when Chazal were around. So how could they possibly even relate to mental states? And you could say the same thing for physical states, right? So I'm the first one to agree and to admit that you know the the rabbis in the time of the Gemara and also after many times did not have all the fact uh, facts at their fingertips, meaning that the, the science was lacking and uh, there were certain things that they didn't know, 100%, that's definitely true and correct. You know, I'm not denying that. However, we have to differentiate, very, very importantly, between issues of science and issues of medicine. And the reason that we differentiate is this. Uh, deciding whether the world is round or flat, right, could be, a medical, uh, could be a scientific question for which you need scientific tools. But medical questions, while certainly science does um, uh, help uh, uh, medicine as well, but medical questions are also things that you can see with your eyes, right? So in other words, if I give someone something and they get better, and then I give someone with the same ailment something and they get better again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, even if I don't have the science behind it and I don't know why it worked, but I do know it worked, right? So if, I don't know, chicken soup really made people with fever feel better every single time, even if I was living 2,000 years ago and I had no idea why that was because I didn't have a microscope that I could see what was happening, but I do know that it worked, then that's something that I can trust, right? Even if I live back then, I don't know the reason, the explanation for it, but I can trust that that's what's going to happen. So in the same way, right, once again, that's a, so what, what did I just say? That's a functional yardstick. That's a functional yardstick. I did something to heal the person, and he was healed, or vice versa. I did something, and he wasn't healed. Or I did it for him, and he was healed, and the other guy wasn't healed. That, that's also significant. But the point is, Chazal could see those things. They could see whether something worked or not. You know, so their their lack of of, of science, the lack of certain tools and certain ideas and understandings, uh, certainly affected their ability to uh, to be healers, but didn't affect their ability to be halachic deciders on a specific issue. You know, so they so if someone said, "I want to violate Shabbat in this and this way in order to heal someone." So Chazal could easily say, "Well, we're not going to allow you to violate Shabbat because we don't even know that that thing works. In fact, we've seen it not work." several times. So why would we allow you to do that? And yet, something that does work, you might say, well, then you're actually gonna heal that person, okay, so let's talk about that. You know, what's involved, is it a Deoraita? Is it a derabanan? Is it a Rabbinic prohibition, a Torah prohibition? Right, so once again, the practical functionality of the uh, medicine that is being given and the functional consequences for the person are things that they can see. All of this, I hope you're still following me, all of this is coming to say the following. That when Chazal talked about a shote, when they talked about someone who is not all there, that's not all completely in charge of his faculties, they were talking about something functional that they could see. They were not therapists. They don't know what his parents did to him when he was a young man, et cetera, et cetera. They don't know all that stuff. They're not, they're not, they're not aware of all these theories and they don't need to be aware. They need to look around and see what they can see. They understand that this person is not physically ill. They can see that. He's not physically ill. There's nothing wrong with him physically. And yet, there is something wrong with him. That much is clear. And that something can be quantified. And once it can be quantified, it can be passed on. Okay? Okay. So I hope that that's clear now and that what we're looking for is the functional definition of stutz. Okay? now. So much so, much. So is that true? But look at what it says in source three, Mishpetei Hadad. Mishpetei Hadad is a book written by someone who's still alive, Moshe Mordechai Farbstein. He's uh, a rab in Yeshivat Chevron. he's a know, uh, rab, although uh, kind of like related a little bit to the modern Orthodox world as well. But anyway, in his book, Mishpete, Hadad, which is a whole book about shtut, about our issue, okay, about mental issues, he writes the following in source three. Shotei eino musaga zehe, Lechol lenefesh. Okay, a shote is not the same as someone who is mentally ill. A shote who kol mishen nistab shad ato. Anyone who is not in full uh, uh, control of his faculties. When if geul it's not a halicha, good. And either the way he thinks or the way he acts has been damaged in some way. Shibush they are cholikot misibot shonot. This can happen for different reasons. Machmat machalat nefesh. Machmat ruach raah. Mitpgia mochit. Mitmachalot zikna O mitchol sibah shehi. This could happen because of a mental illness, because of, you know, he's in a bad way somewhere because his, his, his mind, his brain has been damaged, brain, you know, brain damage, uh, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, it could be any reason. There's no difference, he says. The Allah doesn't dis- discuss why this happened, but rather what has occurred, what has happened. So, what's he basically saying, right? If I told you that someone was depressed, okay, they're suffering from depression, okay, I think you would think that that's very different than someone who was in a car accident and had brain damage, okay? Right? I think you think of those two things are really, really different. Sorry, right, one second. Let's just take care of the microphone here. There we go. Um, I think you'd say those two things are very, very different that one of them has to do with a mental issue, right? That, you know, is is like, where is that issue, right? You don't know. Yeah? And one of the, one has to do with let's call it one has to do with the mind and one has to do with the brain. Right? The brain is the physical organ. So you might say someone has brain damage and because of that he can't speak right, he can't think right, he can't act right, you know, et cetera. Well that's very different. than you, you would say it's a physical it's a physical, uh, um, 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 you know, blemish, and it's not something that is mental. That's in the mind. It's in the brain. That's different, you would say. Okay, but as far as the definition shota is concerned, I'm not sure it's different at all. Meaning, they both, if they both can functionally do the same things or not be able to do the same things, then it matters not. It matters not what the source is. Okay, so that's all. That's point number one. I think it's I think it's clear by now um, that was that source was just like kind of like uh, you know like nail it in. Okay, when we look at the we're looking at functional consequences. But what functional con? So okay, so what are we looking for? So in the Shul, Chachamim source for one of the Bespanza uh, of the Akronim, um, if I'm not mistaken, he's from the 18th century, but I need to look it up to make sure. I don't recall exactly. Uh, he writes as follows. Nireli, He's relating to the Mahari Vail, who's the one of the Rishonim, late Rishonim. Uh, Rishonim are, you know, somewhere between the uh, uh, 11th century and the 15th century, okay? If you're wondering who Rishonim are. Ahronim, you know, which I said the Atar is one of them, is from that point around the 16th century all the way up to uh, our time, um, there are different distinctions about that. Doesn't matter. The point is, the al Charim writes the following. I believe that the Maharivai, Allah al did not say what he said. Rak ma'asim Rabbim shel shtut. He says, you know, when is someone a shoteh? When he does, ma'asim rabim, many actions of shtut, many actions that relate to uh, shtut, okay? Um, you know, I think that the best uh, word to use here, just for the sake of screenlining this here, Okay, is the word shtut would be like craziness. I know that crazy, saying someone is crazy today is not politically correct. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But I think for the purposes of the sheer, when I say shtut, I'll say craziness. You know, it's just to kind of like streamline it. But, you know, I'm not trying to say uh, anything uh, disparaging or negative. I'm going to uh, forget that line for a second. Notice this. There are definitely several meaning significantly crazy people. And they have, you know, like, the things that they do are like, you know, clearly, clearly out there according to anyone who sees them. And they don't have any of the four things mentioned in the Gemara, which I'm not going to go into right now. The Gemara gives several uh, examples, we'll go into that next time. So. What's the Akterah Chachamim saying? Akterah Chachamim is trying to relate to the question of who is a Shote, right? Who falls into this definition? So he basically, the Gemara gives four examples. Like I said, we're going to talk about those four examples, um, a different time, uh, probably next week. But these four examples that the Gemara gives, uh, are according to some like a closed list. As if you did one of these four things, then you will, then you are a Shote. But if not, you're not. And the Eteret is saying that's not true. That's ridiculous. Of course that's just one of those four things. And how do I know, says Eteret Chachamim? Because look around. You see people doing really, really, like out there sort of stuff. Yeah, they're really out there. So everyone knows that those people are Ashote. They do all kinds of things. What, if it's not written in the Gemara, then we don't know that the guy is a Shoteh. If he climbs a tree and he's hanging from his underwear, I don't know what else he's doing. Yeah, you know, he does some crazy stuff. So now you're going to tell me, oh, but Gemara doesn't mention the underwear. So then, you know, it's not. Tad says, what do you mean? You know who falls within this category. It's clear. You can see when someone does something that's totally out there. So Yatel HaKamim is giving us kind of like a signpost. He's not yet defining clearly what it is, what it takes uh, to uh, make a person uh, a shoteh, but he's saying you know it when you see it. Yeah, it's something that is pretty obvious when you see it, okay? All right, Um, before I go on, I want to just look at the comments here. Um, Josh wrote "mental incompetence." I think he was writing that in order to give me a word instead of "crazy." So thank you, Josh. <laughs> I will take your uh, your consideration uh, and and use it. Thank you very much. Uh, Carrie writes something to me. Oh, oh, she wrote it privately. But I'm not sure that's, that's, that that we meant it privately. But uh, let's uh, let's uh, I'll, I'll read it out. How did your comment about uh, functional or evident benefit? Not necessarily scientific proof applied to the discussion about okay hydro chloroquine I think it's pronounced right the one with the COVID 19 appears to work but no definite scientific proof. Well, luckily, is it permissible to be given to a COVID 19 patient? Okay, so uh, I'm not sure that I want to start going into uh, all of that meaning the COVID 19 thing. Okay, uh, let's just say. I'll just say one thing about that, okay, and 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 we'll, and we'll put that aside because it's a, that's not so much of a of a mental issue. But I will say this, okay. Um, Chazal in two places, Gmar and Shabbos, Gemara and Avodah Zara, uh, have a list of of um, of medicines, medications, okay. Have a list of medications that they that they claim should work. The rabbis in the later generations. Uh, Prohibited the use of that list. Prohibited the use. They didn't say it was wrong because we are usually very careful not to say that the rabbis were wrong. But they prohibited the use of that list because they saw that it could cause, uh, uh, you know, great damage. Okay. So we're in a different age today, even than when the, uh, so even when the rabbis uttered like prohibited to use that list. Right. The, the rabbis prohibited to use a list in the 16th century. We're definitely very different than the sixteenth century today. We have different ways of knowing what works and what does not work okay um, now so generally, I would say you should go by uh you know what is tried and true, what has been given you know clear approval by the authorities because our ability to gauge what works and what doesn't work has changed significantly, and just to like you know anecdotally. Uh, start using medication because someone said it might work, I'm not sure that's the smartest thing to do. And I'm not sure the Chazal, the rabbis, if they lived today, if you transport them 2,000 years into the future, I'm not sure that, you know, that they would uh, say that that's okay. I think that would be anachronistic to think that what they said at the time also applies today, all right? Certainly with regards to uh, physical health, which is why I'm not sure that that, that that's true, that they would simply say, oh, well, if you can, if this, medicine works anecdotally, then it's cool, you know. That said, and I want to say, I do not want to go into this, okay, that said, um, I uh, uh, of course I'm not discounting the fact, I, I know that there are other sorts of things out there, meaning number one, uh, uh, Eastern medicine, right, which is not Western medicine, you know, homeopathic medicine, et cetera, these things are, are they proven, I mean, you know, it's very, it's complicated, right? You know, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not, of course, disqualifying everything that's not Western medicine. So it's very, very difficult to know. And it will depend on what's on the other side of the scale. Meaning if you're taking something and there's no halachic violation of anything, then okay. But if it's, if it entails a halachic violation, then we have to understand, you know, why you think that you should be violating the halacha in this way. So it will depend much on that. And the last point I'll make is that, of course, with regards to mental health, it's very different. I mean, we don't have any biological markers. We can go on, I'm gonna get all into that, but not today. And I don't wanna waste our time. And I also there are other questions here, so I hope that's good enough for now. Uh, Miriam says, um, for, um, I forget what FWIW means. Anyway, I'm sure you'll pick it. In my field, uh, incompetence refers to capacity uh, and not mental illness, okay. Right. For what it's worth, right? Thank you, hundred percent. I knew that some way. Okay, someone else wrote to me privately. Is Shota used and analyzed differently by Sephardic and Ashkenazi There There is very little written on the subject. That's the problem. So the answer is no. I mean, the simple answer is no. No, no. I, I was very little. It was it wasn't fleshed out enough for there to be a uh, ashkenazi sephardi uh, an ashkenazi party divide. Okay, so that's basically that. Shira says she only sees one of the pages, a hundred percent. Unlike uh, with uh, whatever this, uh, the way the Shiva works is uh, in a moment. I'll move, I'll flip to the next page. Bottom line. Okay. And someone else asked me if I can make my source pages available. The answer is yes. There's a way to do that, and I. I am uh, not sure how, but I'm gonna make sure to know by next class, okay. Um, How can we have a halakhic definition of craziness slash mental incompetence when it changes in every generation? Great question. Um, by, I can't really see who anymore. Uh, That was someone who wrote to me privately, so I'm not gonna say his name. Um, But uh, how can we have a lucky definition for it when it changes? It doesn't only change every generation, it changes every few years, right? If you go by the DSM, DSM one, DSM two, DSM three, DSM four, DSM five, and all the changes in the middle between the different, right? So there are modified versions and this and that, 100%, 100%, we're gonna talk about all this stuff, okay? But it helps, it helps uh, for there to be functional consequences, right? So if the functional consequences are the same, what does it matter what you call it? Call it uh, BPD if you want, call it autism, call it, I don't know, whatever you want. But the name doesn't necessarily matter as much, logically at least, as much as what I see happening on the ground, and that helps us uh, to, uh, uh, to, yes, to craft some form of response, but that's still not enough. And you'll see as we go that that's that's not it. Okay. Uh, someone else wrote to me once again privately. I won't so I won't say the name, but it is someone who uh, I definitely uh, respect very much. Um, it is not true that regarding medicine itself, the emphasis was on the functional diagnosis rather than to actually categorize the illness. So. Oh, sorry, is it not true? Is it not true that regarding medicine, the invisible is non-functional rather than to actually categorize the illness? So in a sense, this is the same concept that like all humanity knew less about mental illness than about physical illness, 100%. And also today, I think, uh, uh, is still true. You know that comment, I agree with 100%. Um, okay, sure, it says, thanks. Uh, so you're welcome. Uh, another person says, the usual accepted behavior changes in every generation. True, there's a bell curve, right? You know, when I when I spoke to my friend the uh, Dr Dr. Harris, the psychiatrist, so I always asked him, right, how do you know something is, so to speak, crazy, right? How do you know something is 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 out there, right? How do you decide? And the answer was there's a bell curve. Depends on the society, right? It's it could be that in my society, getting up in the morning and wrapping uh, a leather, you know, strand, leather strands over my arm for fill in is considered a totally normal thing. And in another society, it will be like, that guy is so weird. Look what he's doing. 100%. You know, I am not weird for doing that, but in a different society, I may be extremely weird, right? And, uh, you know, uh, there are obviously uh, situations, uh, you know, where you have to, uh, I mean, every situation needs to be evaluated in relation to the society where that's happening. That's part of the trickiness here. You guys are like hitting all the problematic things, 100%. You're absolutely, everything you're saying is correct. This is why I've been learning for two years, not just to know the information, but to be able to craft it in halachic language. Uh, It's very, very complicated and tricky. I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, Miriam is teaching me how to save my pages. Thank you, Miriam. (laughs) Uh, I'll get to it, okay? Uh, Shlomo writes, Also, the person, him or herself, doesn't think he's, okay, we're gonna get to that, 100%, and if he or she doesn't take medicine, acts differently, right. So, you know, we're gonna get to all that, you know, God willing, in a moment. Okay, I think we're done for comments for now. and moving on. Now that we've understood the importance of functionality, uh, you know, I will show you a few other, uh, um, just one or two, really, um, statements by, uh, different authorities who try to define for us, you know, what is the essence of Shtut, okay? So you see it's verse seven here in the Rambam, okay? Where he says, Maaseh Shav, Maaseh Shav is like a Maaseh Shtut, meaning an action that, you know, is is completely without purpose. It's an action where you don't have any intent whatsoever. anashim bi-adam For example, some people like, you know, they, they, let's say they're they're, they're using their hands, like flipping. Perhaps uh, some of you are doing it right now, right, as I'm speaking. You're like, uh, you know, fiddling with something on the table, because, you know, this is uh, boring already, Ravioni, right? So I get it. So therefore, you're, you know, you're just like fiddling, and then you don't even realize you're fiddling. And then suddenly you realize, oh, I'm fiddling. So why'd you do that? (coughs) I don't know. I didn't do it for any purpose whatsoever. (laughs) And also the actions of those who are distracted or are unaware um, of what's going on. So it seems from the Rambam here that the um, uh, the uh, uh, incompetent, the mentally incompetent act is one that has no clear goal. Okay? And also the Tuot says right at the beginning here, source eight, that we know for a fact, there's no reason for what's being done except for the fact that there's shtut involved and that's why, okay? Or look at the Yad David, uh, a, po- a post from the 19th century. The I believe, if he does something clearly for reasons of mental incompetence, and his mind has completely been addled, you know, and is different than the opinion than the mind of the entire world, right you know, so then that person right that's how we would define right or as you put or look at the source ten once again, the middle of the of the uh, of the first line we don't see any reason why he could have done this thing to so our eyes it seems that it's derek. Or even Rabbi Chazel Abramsky, Chazan verse 11. He says, Mibli shum without any need whatsoever. Okay? And it's showing you uh, all these different um, um, uh, expressions, you know, to prove to you, to show to you that this is the opinion of basically everybody, you know, who talks about this, you know, more or less. So what's the, what's the definition that they're using? How do they understand the term mental incompetence? How do I know that the person is mentally incompetent? It's that he's doing something, but I can't see any good reason why he's doing it. It's clearly not in line, uh, not in congruence with the reality that I know. There seems to be no good reason to do this thing. Okay? That seems to me. Now, I want to be very clear about this because it's a very tricky definition, even though it seems like a clear definition, but of course it's a tricky definition, okay? In what way is it a tricky definition? Number one, there are lots of weird people in the world, all right? I mean, uh, you know, my wife probably tells me at least once a month that she doesn't understand certain things that I do, all right? So, okay, so we're all a little bit weird, right? I certainly am. I'm willing to admit that there is a certain weirdness you know, to me. Okay? But I think we all understand. All of us are sometimes a little bit weird in the eyes of other people, right? So where, am I am I am I mentally incompetent because I'm doing things that you think are, are ridiculous? Because you think that you just, you just disagree with me? Is that is that already enough to to make me to, con- to make me consider it according to Halacha Eshote? Obviously not. Obviously not. We're not talking about Zorim Shebalev. But things that, you know, are dependent on the on the perspective of the person. Once again, we're talking more about the bell curve, meaning what's called, things that are not only, in your opinion, but most people. Most people would consider that really, really out there. Once again, really, really out there, okay? I'll give you, once again, an example. I know I know a person who told me that she, uh, this is a real story, <laughs> that she enjoys eating not just the, uh, not just the like the you know watermelon, right? Not just the red, but also the green, like the the rind, whatever. Okay. So how many people like doing that? Okay, fine. So we're gonna say now because she's one of I don't know how many, so now she's crazy? No, no, there's nothing wrong with her whatsoever. She has a different preference, a little bit weird. But when do we consider people to be mentally incompetent when they're doing things that hurt either themselves? or the society around them. It's not enough to be very strange for you to be mentally incompetent in the eyes of most people. In the eyes of most people, you're only mentally incompetent when the things that you're doing uh, go against major, I would say, major issues in society, or major issues in your own well-being, right? So if a person wants to, not suicidal, okay, but he wants to jump off a cliff, I don't know, he thinks it's fun, yeah? We're going to say, whoa, whoa, You don't you understand what that is? What do you mean? It's going to be great. But you're not tied in. You don't have anything. Or, oh, it's going to be wonderful. Okay, so something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. You know, or a person decides, I'm going to run outside naked. Yeah, but you're going to hurt your good name and you're going to you're going to be embarrassed and everyone's going to think, What it's going to be great. I'm going to do it. I feel like doing it. Okay, so one second. Yeah, so in other words, not every little quirk that people have, okay, even if it seems unneeded and unnecessary and with no reason whatsoever to do it and doesn't benefit you in any, not every little quirk that someone has is automatically going to merit them the title of mental incompetence of shote from a halachic perspective. That would be very wrong and very damaging if we did that. Okay? We don't want to start uh, you know, diagnosing every single person around us. You know, I think that there's a limit there. But nevertheless, when it comes to major issues that affect that person or the society in ways that are, let's call them, unreasonable, okay? And that any reasonable person, you know, in our society would think that they are unreasonable, that person definitely would fall within the category of Stutz, okay? That's basically what we're saying. That's what, that's what, the, that's what these posts came mean when they say, without any need, and they say there's no Siba, there's no reason, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that's basically uh, um, the definition that they are using over here from, let's call it from a halachic perspective. Now, uh, I see that there's stuff in the chat I'm gonna answer in one second. Before I, I wanna bring this home in one last thing, okay? Um, Here it is, okay? With Professor Israel Strauss. Uh, Professor Strauss Strauss, uh, lives here in Israel. He's the head of the psychiatric hospital um, in Maynei Shoah, in Bnei okay? Um, and I, I also went to visit the, the psychiatric ward there, and I met with him. And he lives actually here in Beit where I live. So I had a very interesting conversation. I've used his opinion over time. Anyway, he's a very smart man. Um, he wrote an article uh, a while back, which he was based on a, on a talk that he gave to the Yanim, to rabbis who were judging cases, and they wanted to know how to define the term shoteh, you know, from a, you know a modern perspective, meaning what modern conditions would be. Uh, part of that, part of the shtut. Okay, so he writes the following in source 18, and then afterwards, you know, I will stop to answer questions. Kaseh laagdeer <laughs> et musag shoteh, says Professor Strauss. Okay, it's hard to define what a shoteh is. shimush musag biyachas This term was used regarding many different realities. Ha-shimush nafots the most common use of this word, metyiches la tufa ha relates to the clinical phenomenon of psychosis. And it uh, uh, describes that phenomenon, meaning within a certain uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, margin of error. But what this is, is the situation where a person cannot tell the difference between reality and imagination. Since this person cannot understand the reality or grasp it, the psychotic individual will evaluate uh, falsely uh, concepts and ideas. And when he does this, he will come to the wrong conclusions regarding the external reality. Even though you can give him proof the reality is different. quite often But often with this uh, problem of not seeing the reality as it is, uh, there's also functional consequences on a personal or social uh, level. So when once again there's no there's, there's a problem to functional to function as expected in uh, the society that this person lives in. Now, while the term "shote" is connected to psychosis, a more precise description of uh, this concept and its phenomenon and its accompanying phenomenon, and, uh, and therefore also applying it to uh, uh, you know current medicine, is still unclear. So, what is Professor Strauss telling us? He's helping us out first of all. He's telling us first of all let's let's differentiate between psychosis and neurosis. Okay, generally speaking, generally speaking, I say this generally because of course it could always be uh, um, certain um, things which are um, exceptions to the rule. Okay, but generally speaking, this is a good distinction to make. Okay, someone who is psychotic is um, is definitely within the realm of shote. And someone who is neurotic is definitely not within the realm of shote. Someone who is psychotic, who has hallucinations or delusions, right? This individual does not see reality as it is. He thinks he's the, he's the king of England, right? Or he say, or he's, 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 he's sure that he sees you know rain coming down when it's sunny outside or whatever. So he's clearly grasping reality in a way that is incongruent with what we see, with what everyone sees, okay? This individual, is definitely there's something wrong there, and it's definitely right to say about him that he falls in the category of shonzeh, and so is suffering some level of mental incompetence from a halachic perspective. Okay, so that's a good red line to put down. And unlike someone who has who is neurotic, okay, someone who is neurotic is not necessarily, um, uh, you know, not necessarily suffering from mental incompetence, but it depends to what level, right? So, for example, someone. Who is, uh, who is a bit uh, paranoid, right? I guess it depends what, what the paranoia is, right? So if he's, you know, I think people are after me, I think people are after me, right? So someone who's suffering paranoia in that way. So if it's mild, so he may okay, he's a little bit out there, a little bit off, you know? Probably no one's after him, but okay. But if he's so paranoid that it's affecting him in clear ways that he's acting in ways that are, you know, like, that are just dangerous to him, right? then okay, then, then this this is a problem, right? So now, now we have bigger issues. Um, and it really depends on the situation. But my point is, we have to understand how bad or how good his grasp of reality is in order to be able to define quite clearly how, how luckily we would look at it. Okay, I'm gonna go back to the comments uh, to see uh, what you've written. Uh, one person wrote to me privately the following. They write, Sorry, um, I lost it. There it is. A lot of behaviors in mental health might seem that they are being done for no reason, but they are serving as coping skills. Even when maladaptive, even just fiddling with a pen, absentmindedly can help with the concentration. Right? Okay. Um, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I think I think that in my later comments, I kind of like uh, related to you know what you're saying. I think. Yeah. Um, Slomo writes cutting, and then he writes, does that mean a person is classified always sh- uh, shorty or only during those times he, she is acting in ways that are harmful? So, good question. Um, there is a, a concept called itim khalim, itim shote, where a person is sometimes okay and sometimes not okay. And if that's so, then the halacha is that when he's okay, we treat him like he's okay, and when he's not okay, we treat him like he's not okay. There is such a thing where a person is sometimes this, sometimes that. Yes, yeah, that could be, that could be, okay? Someone else wrote to me. I'm confused at how you use mental incompetence. I thought it is a legal term, capacity to participate in a legal process. This is what you mean? Or insanity? Discuss temporary states. Um, get from Cleves, Debate in Postkim. A request not to be named. Right, so I, I, didn't, I didn't name. <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I did good. Okay, did not name. Um, okay, so uh, how, do, how how am I using mental incompetence? So that's why you know. Okay, I mean that's why I said you know I'm not sure that uh, the term really. You know, because I understand what you mean. Mental competence. I mean, what I mean to say is someone who is not grasping reality uh, in a proper in a proper manner. Okay, that is basically what I mean when I say that, uh, as you can see from the example of psychosis. All right, um, but it is important to realize that there could be in two ways. Okay, and it's kind of what Professor Strauss is hinting at as well. There could be someone who's doing something which seems completely, once again, as we would say, crazy. In other words, the person wants to harm themselves in ways that don't make sense, right? So someone said here before, coping mechanism. You know, sure, you know, but, coping, but even coping mechanisms could be um, a little bit uh, uh, extreme, right? So if someone is uh, trying to take their own lives, I'm sure in their mind it makes sense, right? And sometimes people have a whole world that they've built around themselves and around a certain concept, And within the world that they've built, their action makes sense. Right, if a person thinks there's someone after them, then the actions they'll do to get away are totally logical. They're logical within the world that they've made, but is that world justified? Right. So, uh, in the same way, people, right, uh, you know, if they if they go to really extreme measures to end certain things that they're going through because they don't want to feel the pain anymore. you know, I think that that's very unfortunate that they got to that situation, obviously, and we need to help them, etc. From a halachic perspective, okay, those individuals would be considered a shote if they've gone too far. Not because we think we don't understand why they got there, but that entire world that they've created, right, in comparison to the problem that they're having, is not necessarily justified. Once again, I'm not judging them. It's a halachic determination that the person you know, in that situation, is not totally competent, you know, in the way that he sees the world in order to, uh, you know, act uh, in his best, in his own best interest. okay, uh, in that sense. So I hope that that, that helps, okay. The Get up Cleves, by the way, is a fascinating example, you know, of something where most post can felt that the guy was totally lucid, even though he did some weird stuff, right. So he didn't do anything that was totally out there. The guy was you know, okay, he thought that people were after him, he thought he owed people some money, he suddenly left the left his wife behind, you know, et cetera. The get of Cleves, you should look up the get of Cleves and you'll see, uh, Shlomo, you know, who I'm talking about. But anyway, it's a passing example of something where probably the guy did not fall within the category, that's what most posts came th- thought. Reading the Reading the, the details of the case, I feel convinced that that's true, but anyway. Um, I only have a few more minutes, so. Doesn't neurosis also involve a, a distortion of reality? To some extent, I think I answered that before, Liana. Uh To some extent, but um, you know, I think that there's a limit, right? So to see how that distortion affects the person in terms of his goings-on day to day, that really matters, okay? Um, Rachel says, but a neurotic person, by definition, can reality test, correct. So in other words, I'll say what Rachel said in a different way, um, uh, insight, right? Insight and self-evaluation. Okay, like a lot of times, my students will tell me that I'm uh, that I'm tactless. Yeah, I don't know if you feel that way, but sometimes I hear from my students, "You really don't have a lot of tact, Ravioli." Bri- 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 ri- so okay, I'll, I'll take that. Right, but the fact is that I can I can reflect on that. Right, so I can see that. If you tell someone who is delusional that the delusions aren't real, they don't see that. They can't they can't step outside of themselves to evaluate. The critique that they just got. Okay, so that part of that is self-evaluation insight, what they call. You know, so that's definitely important. Uh, Josh writes, "Incompetent to what?" Shotele davaracha. Okay, okay, Shota davaracha. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get me in all kinds of trouble here, Josh. So uh, God willing, next week, shotele davaracha. Okay. Um, uh, Sarah writes, "Is an addict considered a shote?" Is an addict a shote? It depends, but yes, mostly I would say yes at least which is what Josh just mentioned, meaning to a specific issue, okay? And there is such a thing where a person is it for a specific issue, okay? Um, so so yes, uh, that could be. Now, I have two more minutes here. Uh, I want to respond to a private question that was asked, uh, which is, what's your email? Yeah, so here's my email, okay? Feel free to email me uh, with questions you have about this class or anything else. I'm happy to answer any and all questions that you feel were not answered not answered properly or that I made some sort of mistake that you think I need to correct. I'm more than happy to hear critiques, criticisms um, from any or all of you, okay? Um, That's number one. Number two, I have another minute. Let me summarize what we've done here today, which I think is really, really important, okay? Oh, I wrote it privately, that's why. (laughs) Okay, fine, fine, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I will now. Uh, how do I get to everyone? All participants. Perfect. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Now tell me you don't see it, huh? Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. Regarding the sources, uh. Let, let me let me let me handle that. I will I will get back to you on that. Okay. I promise. Right. I, I will get back to you on that. Anyway, now the sources. But let me just summarize. So what we did here. What we did here today is is at the basis of everything that we're going to talk about. Okay, it defines how we look at things. We look for the, number one. We look for the functional consequence, um, you know, of what happens. Okay, functionally, the person does not have insight, does not understand themselves, what's going on, does not have a clear view of reality. They would be considered a shote. That usually falls within psychosis. Okay, many, most okay, of the things that we'll deal with are not psychosis. So even though the category of Shoteh appears many times in the Mishnah and the Gemara, I hope you can now appreciate the fact that it doesn't cover even half of all the things that there are to talk about in mental illness. It is not the answer to all our problems. It's not like, oh, there's a category already. Let's just use it. There are no categories. No, there are some categories. They're very difficult to understand what they are and they're not frequently used in the Gemara, okay? There are other kinds of categories. So therefore, while Shota exists, we have now quarantined, good word for corona, right? We're now quarantined that term within a certain block, within a certain certain radius, okay? And there are very few people, I would say, that really fall into Shota. There are some, but but most cases won't fall into that. And so, our uh, job is far from being over. Okay, and next week we'll talk about Chotel Dover Echad and we'll see how we can group another grouping and, and, and work from there. Meanwhile, I invite you all, like I said, to write to me. I will take care, I promise, of this whole uh, issue um, with the uh, sources and uh, to the person who just asked me a question privately, I uh, email me and I will answer, okay, uh, God willing. So, have a good night, I will see you next week.